The stories of our lives make us and break us. When we hear other people's life-changing stories, we're given an intimate glimpse into the experiences that made them who they are. And when they pull back the curtain, we feel a lot less alone in the world. Welcome to the Six Minute Memoir Podcast, where guests share brave, true life tales of transformation in the space of six minutes. My name is Anne Bukma, and I'm so pleased to be your host. In our premiere episode, storyteller Chris Farias shares a tale about his fears of coming out to his Catholic parents and how he believed they would always choose God over him. As long as God was in the picture, I couldn't have love, he says. But then, to his amazement and delight, things took a surprising turn. Welcome to Chris Farias, the creative director of Unicorn Rebellion, a drag queen storyteller, and an urban chicken farmer. Growing up Catholic can really mess with your head. With all the chants and the prayers and the candles and the guilt and the brainwashing. Oh, the brainwashing. I can't solve simple math problems. I'm not even really sure what an adjective is, but I can recite the entire rosary front to back in Portuguese. I don't even speak Portuguese. There are lots of things that are problematic with growing up in organized religion. We've covered the brainwashing. Yes, that's fun. But my biggest complaint is that I was always in competition for love and not a competition like the dating game where it's me and two white wine spritzer drinking beefcakes, both named Derek, being interviewed by Chuck Woolery. No, I was in competition with God. God! You know how hard that is? We're not talking the angry God of the Old Testament, not the one that turns people to salt or banishes folks to the belly of a whale. That God would be easy. He's a jerk. No, I was in competition with the all-knowing, all-loving God, the one with blonde hair and blue eyes. You've seen the picture. And this God has something I can't compete with. This God holds the keys to eternal life. How the hell do you compete with eternal life? salvation you can't so people had to choose love me or love god and in my younger days i could actually see people making these choices the looks in their eyes when i walked or talked or wanted to be a fairy princess for halloween when my dad asked me what kind of car i wanted and i told him a pink geo tracker these looks came from my family my friends my classmates my teachers and they came from the pulpit And I came to realize that as long as God was in the picture, I couldn't have love. And my mom had completely bought into this Christ versus Chris dilemma. At least I thought. See, my little brother Logan has Down syndrome. And my mother always said, he'll be whole again when he meets God. Which is a beautiful idea, right? But I got to thinking about this. Have you ever met someone with Down syndrome? My brother laughs hard. He loves hard. He is pure joy. Logan is the happiest person on this planet. And that's my end goal, to be happy. He's reached my end goal. When I get to heaven, I want God to say to me, you did good, Chris. Now enjoy eternity with Down syndrome, my utopia. If I asked you what you love the most, you might say my husband or long walks on the beach or a beautiful sunset or white wine spritzers. I call bullshit. I asked Logan the same question. He looked me with with a serious face and said, pizza like that's the honest answer all of us want to be loved and to have pizza i was 24 when i told my mom i was gay 
well, my friend Missy did it for me. She was drunk at my grandma's house, don't ask. And my mom was bugging me with all these questions. Why are you moving? Why do you need two bedrooms? What's going on? I hadn't told her I was in a two-year relationship with my now husband, and we were moving in together. Missy, sitting there in her intoxicated glory, says, why don't you just tell her you're gay? My heart dropped. I looked at my mom, waiting for her to choose her gay son or salvation. And something magical happened. In her eyes, I saw it split, like an atom breaking open and spilling everywhere. On one side, there was Leviticus and Testaments, Psalms and rules, whales and salt. And on the other side, well, there was God. My mother's love for me was so strong that without even thinking, she separated God from religion. She hugged me and said, I knew, I love you. Does love need to be hard to be worth it? Not always. Love can also be easy. And easy love is the love that splits atoms and instantly separates 2000 years worth of man-made tradition from a mother's heart. And some love, well, is just pizza. Thank you, Chris. Oh, thank you, Anne. Amazing story. As long as God was in the picture, I couldn't have love. So did you find love, Chris? I did find love. I found love in my husband. And through him, I found, I found love with my whole family. Because my husband kind of brought that out. I had to, I had to come out. I had to because I was living with him. And um, I didn't want I didn't want to keep that a secret. So it forced me to come out and it broke all of the assumptions I had about what my parents would think about me and how my parents would love me because they just automatically were like, yeah, okay, we love you. And I think that's. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Keep going. I was going to say, I think that's what a lot of um, a lot of queer people struggle with is the assumptions and sometimes those assumptions are right sometimes your parents will be upset and they will hate you and and they are really connected to religion and that's really hard to separate um but um so we all deal with those assumptions but for me those assumptions were all wrong they were all wrong what did you assume would happen what was your fear it's so interesting i was just like we i was talking to her earlier I was just at a um, cottage with my family and my husband came. So it was my, my dad, my mom, my two brothers, my brother's wife, and um, me and my husband and my niece. And I was just watching them all in the water. I don't go into the lakes. They all went into the lake. I don't like lake snakes. I don't like sea. I don't like turtles. Leeches. I don't like leeches. <laughs> I don't like any of that stuff. If I can't see the bottom, I'm not going in. But they all, they all went in and I was watching them and I thought, I never imagined this because I didn't think this would ever happen. My husband with my dad fishing or my mom on the boat, all of those things as a kid, I never imagined. And um, it was, it was such a, a beautiful moment of like, wow, I didn't have any expectations for my future because I thought my future, I was told from everyone that my future was going to be bad. Including the Bible, right? I mean, I I grew up in a fundamentalist religion, so I'm very familiar with what the Bible says about queer folk. And, you know, the word abomination is used Mm -hmm. more than once. So those messages are, you know, embedded in us, even when we don't 
believe them really. So I'm curious about how you feel about uh, God now. You, you sort of talked about your how your mother separated God from religion, and I get the sense you did that too. Do you believe in God? Do you believe in heaven? Like, what do you think? Uh, I think that I'm a, is it agnostic? Are those the ones that don't care? Agnostics are the <laughs> undecided. They're like, could be, maybe, maybe yeah. not. Whereas atheists are like, there's nothing. There's nothing. Well, I just like, I don't care. Like, I don't care what happens after i believe that there's no hell i believe that there's no if there is a god there's no way he would do that like he's not that big of a jerk like that's just a horrible thing i'm going to create you i already know if you're going to hell or not so i'm going to put you on earth and then you're going to be in hell forever like that just sounds like an asshole so i don't believe in that and so i just believe that i this life is like really awesome and special i'm going to live it and whatever happens after happens and if nothing happens i'm not going to know about it just like the four billion years of me not existing on this planet, I don't remember any of that. What's the difference? <laughs> George Carlin has this hilarious bit about God, you know, and uh, in this man in the sky, and there's 10 rules. You have to live by these 10 rules. And if you don't live by these 10 rules, he's going to send you to a burning pit of smoking ash and misery and you'll be grinding yeah. <laughs> your teeth in agony and pain forever and ever with no relief. But he loves you. <laughs> he loves you. <laughs> so that was for me. But my parents have had a longer journey because uh, this story, this was uh, happened when I was, I think, probably 22. So that I'm 40 now. So that was a while ago. Uh, but my parents have had a longer journey where they've separated God from religion. They still believe in God, but they've completely separated from like they were Catholics. And especially my mom's had a deeper journey because she about like with the with the queer community she's such a supporter of the queer community like the other day she was like how do i sign up to be like one of those moms that go to weddings for uh for gay people who don't have moms there and i was like that's amazing wow. you want to do that she's like of course i want to do that um but both of them as of recent with everything that's going on with the indigenous community and um the um unmarked graves and the bodies they are disgusted I, I never would have thought my parents would have been disgusted with the Catholic Church growing up. Like, I, this is like, and they're both completely disgusted with them. They want nothing to do with it. They still have faith and religion. And I, I would say they're still Christian, but I don't know if they're Catholic. I truly don't. I don't think so. So change is possible. Definitely. Change is 100%. possible. They've changed and evolved, and it's probably a great deal to do with you. Yeah, um, but I'm I also wonder... really proud of them. I'm proud of them for being able to think about it and be um, be just 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 step back and look at it from a distance instead of going, no, I can't see, I won't change. Like I'm so happy that they changed. Oh my god. Yeah, your life would be so much more difficult. You know, totally. Um, so many queer folk are estranged from their families. They're not accepted, especially transgender folks and you know life is hard enough without having the support of the people who brought you into the world right so well you know they say i i don't know the numbers specifically on this point but i know that um uh over 50 percent of transgender uh people have attempted suicide not only thought about it, attempted suicide the average lifespan of a trans woman is 35 years old um and i know i don't know what the numbers is for this for this part but i know that one of the ways that stops that is having supportive family. If you have supportive family, that, that, that those numbers drop 
dramatically. Like, the world still sucks big time when it comes to trans people and queer people. But if you have a supportive family, your odds of living go way up. It makes all the difference. Yeah. And your brother Logan, um, you know, I just love what you have to say about, you know, he's already achieved what most of us are striving for, right? I mean, I'm yeah. sure he has had some difficulties in his life, but um, he sounds like such an inspiration to you. He is, you know, just the way he, we were, again, we were at, um, I don't get to see him very often because of the whole COVID thing. So we got to go to a cottage and we went out for dinner and the waitress forgot his food. She brought everybody else's food, but, but his, and, um, she, uh, we asked her to bring it and we waited another 10 minutes and Logan's just, he's not upset. He's not yelling. He's just, he loves food. So he's just like sitting there quietly, very upset. And finally, we asked her again, can you please bring his food? And she's like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. She brings his food and she goes to Logan, I am so sorry. I apologize. And Logan looked at her and said, thank you for being nice to me. Aww. Like, and I was just like, do you know how many people would have had a full on meltdown at their food? He was just so happy that this woman was touching him. Like, And that's also another thing. I think people, I heard him say, um, uh, this weekend, I have a niece who's one, one and a half, I think. And I said, what do you like most about Charlie May? And she, he goes that she touches me. And I think like people are scared of him. I watched people in the grocery store when we went to the grocery store, all staring at him. And I was like, what? you've never seen anybody with Down syndrome before walking around him strangely. And I was like, you probably get so you probably don't get embraced very often other than people in our family. Right. Mm -hmm. And for him to say, like, I love that she touches me. I love that they were hugging and kissing. And he just loves her. And I was like, that's such a, you know, everybody wishes for so many things. And he just wishes for love. And I'm like, he's reached, he's reached that goal of, mm -hmm. that we all want. So true. I remember you telling a story at a different six minute memoir event about overhearing your mother on a phone call. Have I got that right? Talking about yep. Logan. Can you just tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, that was another story um, about my mom. I, I tend to tell a lot of stories about my mom. She's a huge part of my life. She sounds pretty but, special. Yeah, she is very special. Um, it was, I don't know how old I was, maybe about 12 and Logan had just been born. And um, I knew something was going on. I didn't know what was going on finding out later on now I know my mother went through postpartum depression on top of like you know depression that you we, we didn't have any, any information about people with down syndrome or how to handle that and stuff and I remember and I think she tried to keep it away her depression and her her feelings for me and my other brother because you know you you want to keep a strong front uh, but I walked in and she was crying and it was such a childlike like she had turned into a child um, talking to my grandmother on the phone going, I don't know what to do. Please help me, mommy. And hearing her say, please help me, mommy was such a, oh, it just, it just shook me because your parents are, they're, they're your protector. They're your everything. They can't, they don't cry. They don't have emotions like that. And that's when I realized like, no, adults have emotions. Um, I can't rely on them for everything in my life because they are also people. It was a huge moment for me. I don't know exactly how to describe it, but it was just, it just sh it shook me and made me start thinking differently about everything. Well, I think we forget sometimes that our parents are children too. They are children yeah. of their parents, right? Yeah. And, and we tend to see them through this filter of like, you're there for me, 
Like you're yeah. my parent. Our parents have secret lives. <laughs> <laughs> they have secret stories. Like they, they, you know, we are not the center of their universe, right? And so it just sounds like a very human moment where you saw yeah. someone who was so strong be so vulnerable. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Thank you so much, Chris, for oh. sharing your beautiful story and introducing us a bit to your mom and to Logan. And I'm so happy you found love. You are worthy, my friend. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. I just adore you, Anne. You know that, though. Thank you. <laughs> Bye for now. Bye. Thank you, listeners, for tuning in to this episode of the Six Minute Memoir. And thank you so much to my guest, Chris Farias, for pulling back the curtain and giving us some insight into his life. My name is Anne Bukva. I help people craft their own true life tales in my online six minute memoir writing workshops and with one-on-one -on -one coaching. Check out my website, annbukma.com, that's bukma with one O, to learn more. And now I'll sign off with my favorite quote about telling stories from Ojibwe author and journalist, Richard Wegemies. All that we are is story, he writes. From the moment we are born to the time we continue on our spirit journey, we are involved in the creation of the story of our time here. It's what we arrive with. It's all we leave behind. We are not the things we accumulate. We are not the things we deem important. We are story. All of us.